0: Greetings, Space Boomers! My name is Mike Wall, and you're listening to Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. Now, if you're an avid listener of Star Trek podcasts, you may know that Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, just ended its run. So I wanted to start off this episode by offering a heartfelt congratulations to Jordan Hoffman and his team for an outstanding job. I'm pretty new to the podcasting scene. In fact, I only really started listening to podcasts when Engage hit the airwaves in the summer of 2016. So Engage has been a really important and influential podcast for me. And i've listened to each and every episode so it's kind of sad to hear that there are no more but there's still plenty of fresh new star trek content being made including over at trek fm where i've been a guest and right here on strange new worlds so if you like what you hear tell your friends if you're feeling extra bold Go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, or tweet me with your comments and questions at Y. that's M-I-Q-U-A-I. With that, I'd like to turn to our feature presentation. Today I have Dr. Pushkar Kaparla here with me to help me understand what it means when Captain Archer says, polarize the hull plating. So I'm here with Pushkar, or should I call you Dr. Kaparla, because you are the most recent PhD in planetary science at Caltech. Uh, Pushkar, you defended your thesis last Wednesday, Mm -hmm. March 14th, but due to our Hawaii trip that is impending, this podcast probably won't air until early April, Uh but congratulations nonetheless on becoming a doctor. Thank you, and uh, happy April Fool's to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) No, that wasn't an April Fool's. That was, it's for real. You are a doctor. Nobody can take that away from you. Yes, yes, of course. Yes. So I've brought you onto this podcast, even though I know you're not the biggest Star Trek fan, but that's okay because we welcome everybody on this podcast to help us understand the science in Star Trek. Because I do not know what it means to polarize hole plating, which is something that happens in Star Trek, and I'll introduce that concept in just a bit. But before we talk about polarizing the hole plating, we should talk about you and introduce you to the listeners. So Pushkar, why don't you give me an abbreviated story of your life? Okay, I am 28 years old and
1: I'm from India. I studied physics for my undergrad and then I went to Switzerland where I studied climate and now I'm here at Caltech studying polarization and atmospheric radiation. My hobbies uh, include playing Dota.
0: Any Dota fans out there? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much my only hobby. That's and I not like true. watching movies. You, you do like watching movies. You also run. Yes, like I Danminton. run. badminton? Long dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, Pushkar is. My groupmate, we are in the same research group at Caltech, we also share an office, and we're also apartment mates, so we see a lot of each other. So I know all of your secrets that we are not divulging to the audience right now. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> no. Um, so Pushkar, surprisingly, somehow, you've escaped becoming a hardcore Trekkie after living with me for the past couple of years, um, but you have seen some Star Trek. So. What do you remember from your experiences watching Star Trek? Is there a particular scene or character or concept or story that you, that you liked that stuck with you? Well, let's see. What episodes have I seen?
1: There was one with the, the furry little animals multiplying. The Tribbles. Yes. And then there was the one where they go back to the past to change something. Do you remember that's that so episode? many episodes
0: that's, that could describe oh, probably five dozen episodes. In Star this Trek. this one
1: was maybe from the eighties or something. They, they go back in time. The captain and and his friend, just the two of
0: them. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. This was from the original series. It was the, with the guardian of forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some kind um, a circular gate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's called the city on the edge of forever. Uh huh. Yeah, it's a, a really classic Star Trek episode.
1: That was fun, and uh, there was one more about a doctor falling in love with his uh, robot. I don't know if that's how it went.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh! I think I know which one you're talking about, but it, the way you describe it is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I was of falling you... in love with this robot? Yeah, this is a Star Trek Voyager episode um, called "Someone to Watch Over Me," and it was about the Doctor, who's a holographic computer program, um, teaching Seven of Nine how to go on dates. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Seven of Nine isn't his robot. <laughs> She, she, yeah, she is an android. Not an android, sorry. She is a former Borg drone, so she was a cyborg, who was reclaimed by the Voyager crew. She used to be human, then was assimilated by the Borg into their collective, and then rescued. When you're in the Borg collective, you've lost all, like, humanity and individuality. You exist in this, like, computer hive mind, and you do the bidding of the collective. So she gets rescued. To rediscover her humanity, it's like this really odd juxtaposition because the doctor had just gone through this story arc of trying to discover his humanity by expanding his computer program to include more human activities because he was originally a computer program simply written to Hmm. practice medicine and slowly he gained the ability to write poetry sing songs practice art and then even fall in love and when they rescue 7 of 9 he becomes her mentor or her teacher because it's sort of like he just went through this thing for himself and uh, <laughs> so yeah the doctor <laughs> falling in love with this robot <laughs> guess i uh, misremembered that <laughs> no episode. that's all good <laughs> that's a fair approximation of that episode <laughs> okay okay let's let's call it that Star Trek mainly takes place in the 23rd and 24th century and by that time we have the technology to throw up electromagnetic force fields Mm -hmm. beyond our spaceships hulls and these electromagnetic force fields by some work of magic intercept incoming weaponry be it phaser beams, disruptor beams, torpedoes, whatever it is. And so they'll say raise the shields and the shields will be raised And then when starships are depicted being under attack, things will slam into their shields and the shields will shimmer in a brilliant way and then the ship will be left unharmed. But there was a prequel series called Star Trek Enterprise which took place in the 22nd century, roughly 150 years from now. And the interesting thing about Star Trek Enterprise is that they kind of needed to bridge the technological gap between today's technology and the fancy indistinguishable from magic technology that you saw in the 23rd and 24th century Star Trek series. And so they often replaced fancy technologies with closer to home technologies, like instead of having a tractor beam, whatever a tractor beam is, the starship would have a grappler, which was basically a magnetic... Thing that had a rope attached to it, and then you would grapple things in outer space and then tug them back into your cargo bay or something like that. And instead of raising your shields, they said, Polarize the hull plating. Which I guess is a more down-to-earth way of protecting your ship against incoming fire. But I don't actually understand what it means to polarize the hull plating. It sounds fancy, And it sounds plausible, but I don't know what that means. And I know you study polarization. So Pushkar, could you tell us what is polarization? Okay. so when you talk about
1: polarization as it concerns light, you're talking about the orientation of the electric fields that make up a beam of light. As you know, light is an electromagnetic wave, and it's also a transverse wave, which means that the electric field of any given beam of light is uh, in the plane that is perpendicular to the direction in which the light beam is going. And polarization uh, tells you something about how uniformly the electric field is distributed in that plane. For instance, if it was completely uniform in all directions, you would say that the beam of light is unpolarized. However, if the electric field was concentrated only in one direction, you would say it was completely polarized. And if it had some asymmetries, but it had a non-zero strength in any given direction, then you would say it was partially polarized. And That's what we mean when we talk about
0: polarization. Okay, so it's the direction in which the electric field is waving uh-huh. with respect to the direction that it is actually moving in is that right uh
1: not completely there's always an electric field waving in the direction perpendicular to the direction of light think about it this way there's two directions that the electro electric field is allowed to wave in for any given beam of light And if it's waving equally in both directions, then you say the light is unpolarized. But if it's waving only in one of them, then it's polarized. If it's waving a little bit stronger in one direction compared to the other, then it's partially polarized.
0: I see. Okay. So, given that understanding of what polarized light is, can you help me speculate about what it means to polarize the hull plating of a starship? Okay, one thing I can think of uh, is, say you're just
1: given a regular beam of light from, say, a tube light or whatever, and it is completely unpolarized, which means it has the same strength along these two directions of the electric field. What you can do is you can pass it through uh, a polarizing plate or a polarizing filter, which basically forces the electric field along one of the directions to die out. What you could then do is put a second polarizing filter that's rotated by 90 degrees, and that would basically kill whatever electric field was still remaining. So in the end, you would block out all the light. Uh, so talking about your laser weapons, for instance, basically you you would nullify or redistribute
0: energy by passing it through two polarizing filters. Okay, so it's. It's almost like that sunglasses trick, right? You have two pairs of sunglasses, and you kind of overlap them. And if you rotate them such that they're 90 degrees from each other, then all of a sudden it becomes really, really dark in that little patch of sunglass. Exactly. Okay, Okay. so polarize the hole plating probably means that you're applying these filters to your hole plating. There must be these filters on the hole plating, and for some reason you can activate them to turn 90 degrees to each other, Mm -hmm. and then any incoming laser beams will, I guess, well, the first filter, as you said, would cut out about half of its intensity. Yes. Because it only lets one polarization go through. Yes. And the second filter would have let the polarization that was taken out by the first filter through, but because there's none of that left, it takes out the remaining light and then you just get zero light hitting your ship. That's exactly what might happen. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it makes me wonder why their whole plating isn't polarized all the time then. Like, why do they have to turn it on and off? I want to turn to how you use polarization in your own research. So, you don't use polarization. For defensive purposes against incoming enemy fire, (laughs) but you do use polarization all the time in your own science. So how does one use polarization to characterize planets? One of the most pressing questions that we're trying to find the answers to about planets
1: these days is exoplanets specifically, is if they have clouds in their atmospheres. And if they do, what these clouds are made of The way you usually study exoplanet atmospheres is with transit spectroscopy. And while you can usually say if the atmosphere is clear or cloudy, you don't get much information on what the clouds are made of. So we use uh, polarimeters to observe the same planets at different points in their orbit around their star. And uh, based on how the degree of polarization changes as they go through their different phases we can say something about what the scattering material is in their atmospheres. And that in turn tells us what the
0: composition of their clouds is. So it's as this planet is going around its star, it is showing different faces of itself to us. But more importantly, it's the angle made between the star's light bouncing off the planet going to our telescope is changing as this planet is going around the star and that gives us different polarizations at different times is that is that right that's exactly right
1: and the way the polarization changes and the degree of polarization you can see is dependent on what type of
0: clouds you have in the planet's atmosphere and so that's how we back out what the clouds are made of so pushkar this method is really really cool and seems like it could answer some really profound questions about the types of clouds that literal other strange new worlds might have in their atmospheres. Mm -hmm. So what have you discovered about these clouds in your own research? We've recently been studying this exoplanet,
1: and we've probably concluded that the clouds on this exoplanet are made of... Wait, wait, you can't tell me what they're made of? Unfortunately not. The results are, what do you call it, embargoed so I can't talk about them in public yet.
0: Oh, man, that sucks. Since you can't tell me about the latest and greatest amazing findings that you've made, what do we think might be out there in terms of clouds in general among exoplanets at large, not the specific planet, and not the specific clouds of that specific planet, but what kind of things are we expecting?
1: So, many of the exoplanets we know are these things called hot Jupiters, which are expectably hot and very big. And their temperatures go anywhere from a few hundred degrees to a few thousand. And depending on the exact temperature of a planet, you could have anything from clouds of silicates, which is things like sand or stones, to clouds of other minerals like perovskite or corundum. So like rock
0: clouds. That is the expectation, yeah. That's really cool. Well, I can't wait to see what your paper says. Before we leave, can you give us like one example of how polarization was used to determine something new about the atmospheres of solar system planets? Sure. In the 60s, the big question in planetary science
1: was, what are the clouds of Venus made of? Uh, we could see them, we could get spectra of them, but we couldn't quite figure out what we were looking at. People had all kinds of crazy ideas about what it could be. It could be water ice, it could be carbon dioxide, hydrochloric acid, sulfuric acid, iron, iron chloride, and so on. And the debate raged on for many years till two people, I think one was from the US and one from the Netherlands, got together and observed polarization from Venus. And what that measurement gave them was the refractive index of the cloud material, and that led them to narrow it down to just sulfuric acid. So they basically discovered that the clouds of Venus are made of
0: sulfuric acid. Wow. So it's all thanks to this quirk of light that when a light wave is propagating, it can have different directionalities to the way that it's waving around. And the asymmetry or lack of asymmetry in the directions that it's waving gives it this strange property called polarization. And so thanks to light being a wave and thanks to the way that it waves in space, we can determine really cool things about the stuff that it's passing through and reflecting off of. It's just mind-blowing. Thanks for being on the podcast, Pushkar. Thank you for inviting me. And congratulations again on becoming a doctor. Thank you. (laughs) That concludes episode 34 of Strange New Worlds. I hope you learned something new about the polarization of light, how it could be used in starship combat in Star Trek, and how it's actually used to explore strange new worlds today. Pushkar's not the only person to be defending his PhD thesis this spring. In fact, I'm currently on deck to present my own dissertation on the 31st of May. So if you're in Pasadena, then you should totally be at my public talk. If not, I think my buddy Dr. Peter Gao, who's been on this podcast numerous times, is going to help me live stream it. Anyway, this means it's going to be a pretty hectic next few months for me so please forgive me if my podcast releases are a bit erratic. For now, though, I want to wish my buddy Pushkar all the best in his endeavors as he leaves Caltech to seek new experiences and new discoveries elsewhere. I'm sure we'll cross paths again soon. Until then, live long and prosper.